0: Hello, witches. This is Kara Kovacs, and this is Business Witch. As a third generation witch, at least, and a business and life coach for mission-driven entrepreneurs and leaders, I teach you how to make money and magic as liberatory practices. Because when we know, seek, and embrace our full potential, we create a better world for everyone. Here you'll find tools, conversations, spells, and inspiration that take you from waiting to creating so you can build the business and life you're oh so worthy and capable of having. Let's go. Hello, sweet friend. Before we dive into this week's episode content, I wanted to make sure that you had the best and most up-to-date information about how to become a more active participant in this community. My business would not exist without incredible people like you, and so my hope is that all of the information that I put out, whether it's on socials, on the podcast, or my favorite way to stay in touch via my email list, helps you to take the steps that you need to create all the results that you want to create in your business so that we can co-create a better world you can head to www.karakovacs.com and subscribe to my email list. You'll see a pop-up for a quiz that will give you the next best step for your business dependent on where you're at and what you most need to focus on right now. And there's also a whole library of free resources, a mini course that'll help you start thinking about your business like a business instead of your own personal existential crisis. And once you're subscribed, you'll get weekly love letters from me that I hope give you exactly what you need to take action in a way that feels mission-driven, value-aligned, and expansive for you. So make sure you're subscribed and stay in touch. I love being connected to you. Oh, witches! We are already laughing, so I think you are in for an experience today. It is my pleasure to welcome Louisa Duran, maybe more commonly known to you as her Instagram handle, according to Weeze. Hi, Weeze. Hi. How you doing today? That loaded question. We're loving.
1: <laughs> I know. I was. I was like, well, like ten minutes ago before we started talking, I was like, woo! I'm. You know, this is how I've been describing it. I feel like I am getting jumped by life. Like Murphy's Law, I just like don't know where it's coming from, but I'm sticking and moving. Like I'm doing good, I'm fighting back. But actually like energetically and emotionally, like I know that sounds like so hostile, but like that really is what it feels like right now. But in this moment, I, I feel a lot better. You know, I actually recently did a subsect that said like the point of it was like community as a self. Mm-hmm. And so so right now I'm feeling good. We had our little moment. We started it, right? Like, so <laughs> I'm feeling better.
0: an episode a couple days ago, which maybe I'll listen to because it'll be the one that was put out on New Year's Day, but about the necessity of laughter mm. and to get through being jumped by life
1: yes yes it's so important it's so important so yeah so i'm feeling better now
0: me too i was also coming into this like "Ah." and then we talked about dogs yeah dogs are also a necessity of life (laughs) but for the people who may not be familiar with your work share a little bit about the work you do in the world
1: yeah so i i like to call myself a liberation educator and guide I have a lot of feelings about the word coach which i'm sure we can talk about as well as the industry and all the other things so i i say i'm a guide actually the last line of my ted talk which you know you were at is that you know my whole ethos is that i hold the torch for liberation as others find their own liberation mm-hmm. right and so i'm i i feel like it's my divine purpose so the work that i do is really rooted in not only cultural healing but individual healing generational healing and not just healing from our traumas but healing from the ways that we've all been socialized into maintaining systems of oppression into you know our steadfast loyalty to these identities and what they mean and how you know how that re- what that means for us to like engage with other people and so yeah so my work is really from a sociological lens, because my background, my academic background is in sociology and behavioral science. So from a like truly a study of people, right? And the and our in the science of our behavior, I really just work with people as they not only find their own liberation, but through their own liberation become conduits and pathways for other people's liberation because I believe our liberation is all bound together and we liberate others by way of ours.
0: Mm, thank you for that reminder. Yeah. And- and for starting this conversation around the ways in which our liberation is connected. And I think that that, like, we could go micro or macro with that about how that's so true and why we engage in the kind of work we do, whatever it is that you, what verb or noun you wanna to use to call it and how yeah. you practice it and what modality it is that hopefully the point is to make people uh, more free or more connected or more aware and that the impact of that is then global. Mm -hmm. but you mentioned a dissonance with the word coach. And I feel like that might just be a fun place to start because there was a footnote in that paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
1: do it. (laughs) I'm laughing because people have really strong feelings about my feelings about the coaching industry and how I talk about coaching, which is fine. People have really strong feelings about everything that I say and do and I'm not for everybody and that's okay. Yeah. I think that guiding and ushering people in transformational processes is a profound responsibility and gift that is sometimes divinely curated, ancestrally curated, and or can be, right, like taught, especially for people who have healing service community oriented hearts. And like with everything else in in society, you know, all of the isms. So the capitalism and patriarchy and racism, all the, all the isms, as I call them, got its hands on something that is really a beautiful practice and a, in a beautiful cultural and community medicine and bastardized it mm-hmm. and took all of those beautiful parts that require, you know, integrity and community and humanity and really like a sacredness And they're just like, "Mm, how do I do this for money? And how do I market the hell out of this so that it sounds really good? But I'm really not honoring the practice. I'm not honoring these people. I'm not honoring their humanity. And so unfortunately, like with a lot of sacred things in our society, once people figured out how to monetize it, all of the worst parts of our society kind of like found their way in. And now the industry is doing a lot more harm to people than it is good. I have been um, doing some personal research lately
0: on what makes a cult, a cult. And as you read the like little like bullet points, it's like all shit that people do in coaching. I have the article actually open. I'm obsessed
1: with cults. Will you send it to me?
0: Yeah, I will totally send it with you It's a C- or to you. It's a CBS news article yeah. that's how to identify cults, six tips from an expert and this like internationally renowned cult expert. I'll just read like the first one. Yeah, yeah. Beware of any kind of pressure. The Probably the single most important advice I can give anyone is pressure to make a quick decision about becoming involved in an intensive kind of activity or organization. <laughs> what does that remind you of? <laughs>
1: every discovery call you like coaches are trained to be like well you have to make a decision now because if you don't then whatever magical pretend like promotion i'm giving you goes out the window and obviously you don't love yourself enough like oh my god like <laughs> chill out yeah that's why i'm giggling oh my god please this is great okay
0: uh, be wary of any leader who proclaims him or herself as having a special insight that you <laughs> <not> have. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a very fine line between coaching and culting.
0: I'm laughing because it's like terrifying.
1: No, it is. <laughs> like, this is actually how, obviously, background in sociology, behavioral science. Like, I've always been fascinated by cults and any sort of indoctrination, cults, brainwashing. Like, what does it take and what kind of pressures, what kind of tactics? can can people or a person exert on another person's nervous system mind belief systems to get them to like wholeheartedly believe things right and like follow somebody to the ends of the earth or even stockholm syndrome and so i've been fascinated by it and so then obviously being coaching adjacent right like (laughs) and seeing a lot of things i'm like oh we don't talk about this enough like a lot a lot of your favorite coaches are actually employing cult tactics, and that's why you can't get out. Maybe another podcast. Well,
0: another I'll just time. read one more based on the can't get out because this is yeah. the one that made me feel really uncomfortable when I read it. Mm-hmm. A very important aspect of cult is the idea that if you leave, horrible things will happen to you.
1: Mm-hmm. And only the only reason good things were happening is because you were graced by this coach's presence and constantly, you know, they were constantly accessible to you. Like, actually, what if we just let people believe that the magic was inside of them and then we're just helping them discover it? Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. Mm. Or even just like to presume yourself to be in a position of authority like that over somebody else's life is such, well, like you said, a gross misuse of one's responsibility that can have mm-hmm. profoundly negative impacts that you then do not take responsibility for because that's when they have agency.
1: Right. Of course. It's like, well, you had sovereignty and agency the whole time. You have free will. You could have made a decision. What does it mean about you that you didn't make that decision? Let me gaslight you using coaching language. So we're obviously (laughs) going in a particular direction,
0: but I think that this is like a a bigger thing that I had brought up before we got on this call that I wanted to talk about is that people think that they're the problem because they didn't, quote unquote, understand Mm -hmm. the methodology. It's like, oh, this person is more successful than me. They have more Instagram followers than me. They Mm -hmm. have more income in their bank account. They have Mm -hmm. uh, more of a name and a platform. So they must be right. And I must be wrong. And I just like didn't understand enough. And if I can understand, even though inside of my own body, I feel like I'm acting out of congruence with my moral values. But that bad feeling that I'm having must be something that's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sounds a little
1: bit like a byproduct (laughs) Uh, colonial imperialism also. Correct, yeah, yeah, it is, right? I mean, think about think about even the way that we are taught to engage with our, our learning systems and processes, like whether it's, you know, whatever, whether it's like a traditional schooling or trade school or whatever it is, right? We have a hierarchy set up that there is this notion of an expert that has been deemed an expert by some sort of, quote unquote, expert producing institution. And, and we have to inherently assume that everything that comes out of this person's mouth is like, completely accurate, cannot be challenged, is flawless. And then we have to learn to reproduce it and learn like, the language of that institution to prove that we are not only worthy, but now we are also expert-like, right? We've absorbed the expertness. Every single one of our institutions is built like our politics, our education, our medical system, all of it. Obviously, once you start actually looking into it and you go into the nuance and the you know the values and all of those things, you realize that it's a complete fallacy that was built very inherently to create systems and structures of dominance right? Like hierarchical positioning. And then unfortunately, it uses a lot of tools. I don't like to say like we throw like the word narcissist around a lot in 2023. Shout out to TikTok therapy. <laughs> like I know that's like that's where it happened. But instead, I'll say we employ a lot of classic narcissistic traits that are seen right in the DSM five to manipulate people and to convince them that, right, this is the only way. And then like you said, we attach some sort of signifier. So financial, you know, follower count, like whatever the quote unquote social status gold star is like in kindergarten, right? Because we don't have a gold star board anymore. But we transform those gold stars into other things. And then it's like, oh, well, you didn't work hard enough. Mm -hmm. You didn't do it right. Mm -hmm. Right? And we
0: see this play out. I mean, this is actually hitting on something, you know, really sad that happened just last night that I'm happy to use this platform to amplify, but I was mentioning to you before we got on this call that my friend works for the Iranian Diaspora Collective, and I'm going to kick myself for not remembering this woman's name right now, but there was a woman executed last night. She was a child bride, and she killed her husband, husband. and they executed her last night, and the way in which the, the collective was attempting to save her life was to get as many people reposting about her story because then there is a negative PR association with the execution actually happening. Mm -hmm. And my friend who was grieving of having to do the reporting on this, I was at her house last night, was like talking about how to put like the value of a single human life. Like we see so much shit happening right now of human suffering, but to know this person's name and that like her job was to get as many people to share a post. And we don't think about this, right? When we hit the share button, when we think about like what we're actually talking about on social media, like that's what the people who are creating that kind of content are actually doing. Yep. And that the the ability to save somebody's life is connected somehow to how viral it got.
1: Right. And again, because it's like do we get a gold star or do we get a gold star taken away, right? Like, where does that gold star sit, right, in the plus or minus column? And to your point, that that is exactly what our society is built on. And so unfortunately, when you're looking at colonialism, imperialism, any sort of system of, of dominance, right? Like, we can giggle and laugh over the coaching industry because there's some truly absurd things that that are happening. And there are also truly harmful things that are happening. But when you zoom out and you look at it from a global perspective it's the exact same systems and they operate in the exact same way right and so to your point it's like if enough people had seen it to where it would have had you know a viral moment then of course there's going to be hesitation right they always say imagine imagine what imperialistic forces do when no one's actually watching right because they know fundamentally that They have to temper their behavior. They have to temper their harm, their political or physical or literal violence in order to keep the masses operating, right, under the kind of like marching to the beat of the existing colonial imperialistic drum. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I mean, total aside, but we're going to see this very quickly happen in the United States. I mean, we have an election coming up and nobody's voting for Biden. Well, 32% apparently is the last actual Gallup poll. 32% still are like, we would vote for him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And most of those people are saying that because they fear the alternative, Alternative. not because they actually support...
1: Him. Exactly.
0: Uh, I mean, we're, we're seeing like... This is also a little bit of an astrology podcast. <laughs> like We Give go, we go astrology it. sometimes. I'm a Scorpio. Like, I love it. <laughs> we the Pluto return of the United States. I know. So like I'm not surprised by this, but like my astrology loving friends are like, oh, well, like this is the inevitable mm-hmm. next step of this, like written in the stars kind of thing. Yep. And I don't want to get too doomsday about it because – we were just laughing about dogs. <laughs>
1: right. But, but that's the beauty of, of liberation work and then we'll like come back to the point just as an aside because I think it's really important to note and this is something I tell my clients all the time. The beauty of liberation work is being able to hold it all, right? The beauty of liberation work is being able to say there are some v- terrible things that happen in this world that break our hearts into a million pieces over and over and over again. And we have to also have the capacity to hold the pain and the grief and allow ourselves to have pain and grief around it, and joy and happiness and love and pleasure, right? Like there's a, a whole thing called the window of tolerance, right? And like you have to be able to expand your capacity to hold good and bad and everything in between at the same time. And the moment that you don't, you are actually allowing yourself to succumb effectively to the system of dominance and the ways in which it indoctrinates us, right? Because despair, doom, and kind of like giving into that, 1000% causes paralysis. Like, we know this to be true, right? You cannot change when, when the weight of the world feels so heavy that all you can do is wake up every day and like just try to get through the day.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And then it's mixed in with the way that supremacy society uses guilt and shame and oppression Olympics as a tool to then, right, like kind of a fail safe in the back of our head to be like, oh, no, no, don't be too happy. People Mm. are dying on the other side of the world. Absolutely they are and it's horrifying. But my ability to continue to fight for their liberation is actually predicated on my ability to like giggle at my dog and Mm. like roll around and cuddle with her or like, you know, whatever, have little moments of pleasure and enjoy my coffee or sit on the beach and recharge myself. Like, we have to be able to hold it all.
0: What I'm thinking about as you're saying this is how a lot of people buy into, like, the industry that is coaching under this illusion of the kind of sexiness of the six-figure month and, like, work from Bali in your like maxi dress that was made at a sweat factory and like charge a lot of money to tell other people on the internet that they can do it too as opposed Mm -hmm. to like what we're talking about being not as quote unquote like sexy Mm -hmm. I think about this all the time like you know I Trudy LeBron is my coach
1: And And my my bestie,
0: know her. Um, We've talked about like how the sales cycle for people when you are using an ethical lens is longer because you are building trust as opposed Mm -hmm. to selling a miracle cure. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I always tell people. So people will ask me all the time if if you're a listener that has followed me for some time or you know on my newsletter, whatever, you know this to be true. I don't do launches. I don't do heavy marketing. I fundamentally I don't because I have a visceral adverse reaction to the to bro marketing and like the lack of consent and just the all-around grossness of the way that it's taught specifically in the coaching industry. But instead what I did was I made it a point to build no trust like. Right? People might not know me personally, but they know what I stand for. They know my values, they know my ethos, they know who I am as a right like as a an entity moving through this world, right? They either like me or they don't, and that's fine, (laughs) right? And then they trust me because I have the integrity. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm really honest. Like when you said sexy, like the first thing I thought about is like, my business is not sexy. I tell people that all the time. I'm like, if you're looking for like the sexy, glamorous, like, don't look over here because I'm super honest with people. I tell people like, look, liberation and healing work, specifically rooted in liberation, is difficult. It is fucking hard. And it's messy and it's going to require a shift in you, a shift in your communities, changes in relationships with partners, friends, family, all the things. But it's so worth it and you'll be supported and so on and so forth. But it's it's still messy and hard. Like it's not sexy. It's not glamorous. There's going to be a, like probably a lot of frustration and tissues. And you will hate me at some point. I get messages all the time and people, I'm just like, that's okay, give it to me. People are like, I hate you for making me do the thing. And I'm like, I know, you need somewhere to put that right now. And then in a month they're like, oh my God, I'm so happy I did the thing. And I'm like, oh, you don't need me anymore. <laughs> Great. But yeah, you know, like I just I think that that also has to do with again the way that liberation and and non-colonial frameworks prioritize community and they prioritize people over profit.
0: Mm -hmm. Right,
1: And so when you're infusing that into just your life in general, but specifically your business, sure, you might not have a six figure first year, but I guarantee you in 10 years, you're going to be consistently making the same amount of money or at least have a sustainable, non-exploitative like trend of upward growth because the people that you have worked with are your walking billboards.
0: Yeah. And like, let's make that super macro the reason that I I call myself a business coach is because mm-hmm. I want to help people construct the businesses like that that mm-hmm. and when they exist in the world, like, what's the difference in the global economy? Mm-hmm. Like what's the difference in what kind of science research and political campaigns we're funding? Where is money going to humanitarian aid? Mm-hmm. if like people were focused on building businesses like that? That's a longer game. It's a much longer game than trying to make 250k the first year you get a certification and and practice on a couple of people.
1: Sometimes (laughs) I'm like, I'm in a spicy mood. (laughs) I love it. You know what we we are channeling. Aunt Weezy. <laughs> Aunt Weezy, there's this Weezy, like we're just, we're channeling all of it.
0: <laughs> I was telling Weezy before we came on, I, she, she's a little lady, little Virgo from Long Island named Weezy. Oh, she's a
1: Virgo too. She's yeah. a Virgo girl, so am mm-hmm. I. Okay. That, the that family's only
0: two Virgos. <laughs> yeah. She's putting uh, ice cubes in her red wine.
1: Oh, oh. oh I love it. I'm sure people just like clutch their pearls at that, but I love it. Do <laughs> your thing. And <auntie. laughs> it doesn't matter what restaurant it is.
0: We've seen like everybody in concert together that was famous in the 70s. It's cute. Oh,
1: I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but good. I think I think more people, I mean, obviously I'm I'm deeply biased because I have been on my own liberatory journey now for 10 plus years. And one of my first commitments was I like initially I had to create like a separate persona. And so people that have been following me for a long time know Little Scotch Bonnet Baby because I had to like, you know, kind of envision myself as the version that I wanted to be while I wasn't yet that version. And so I'd be like, okay, I have to say the thing. And I'm like, how would Little Scotch Bonnet Baby say it? Like, <laughs> Because the Scotch Bonnet Pepper is one of the hottest peppers on the Scoville scale. So I was like, yeah, how would she say it? And that was really like how I stepped into just being like, I'm just gonna say it, right? Mm-hmm. Because fundamentally, underneath everything, my ethos is like, like a doctor, right? like do no harm. Mm-hmm. Do no harm. Honor people's humanity. We can disagree and still respect each other. And so, if that's my baseline, then anything that I say is gonna ruffle feathers. Right. I always say it's going to, it's going to ruffle, it's going to shine a light on the little colonial demons that exist inside of your soul and spirit. And like, good, I want that to happen because then that hopefully will spark curiosity or change or at least conversation. But I think if anybody, if everybody could find their own version of like little scotch bonnet baby and just like let that out, mm. I think we'd all be in a better place.
0: It's made me want to ask you. So, my therapist recently, I was like bitching about something and she, I said, you know, in coaching, we would figure out what to do about this, Monica. And she was like, I mean, if you wanted one thing you could do, I guess you could cultivate resilience. It's like, okay, Monica. <laughs> but what I wanted to ask you when I heard you talk about this was cultivating the resilience to say the thing and then receive the outpouring of whatever, what the monster <laughs> it. Like actually yeah. making, building resilience as a business owner, especially if you want to have impact that is not always going to be well received
1: Mm
0: -hmm. is a good thing to start to do. So tips on that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So the first thing is and this is like the, the hard part is in order to build resilience, you first have to challenge the ways that you have been socialized and indoctrinated into the cycle of people pleasing and perfectionism that is required of us to play small in a society that is consistently looking to exploit us. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> and so, you know, regardless of of your your identities, right? There's there's this kind of like weird narrative that happens in liberatory work that it's like only folks socialized female have this work to do, which is absolutely not true. We've all been socialized into a version of perfect, right? The perfect parent, the perfect child, the perfect employee, the perfect whatever, right? Like daughter, son, nibbling, sibling. Like we all have a version that we have been taught that is social plus like internal familial, right? Like we have those dynamics. So the first thing is to throw that out the window. Again, I'm like making it sound like, oh, you just like "Hmm, get rid of it. It takes time. It takes guidance, right? Like it takes challenging a lot of things and building toolkits to be able to like calm your nervous system and, and challenge those socializations and, you know, I call it building a, a colonial narrative that exists along, I'm sorry, a decolonial narrative that exists alongside the colonial narrative that lives inside of all of us, right? That's that internal social voice that we have. So that's the first thing, because the reality is that until you challenge that, then you will never be able to build resilience as as a person in general but specifically as a business owner to the waves of critique, negative feedback, consumer complaints or you know fill in fill in the negative get, like blank Because the thing that's going to be playing in your head is, one, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? How did I mess this up? Are they going to hate me? Are they going to fire me? Is my whole business going to crumble? Am I never going to make another dollar? Maybe I'm a terrible coach. Oh, enter imposter syndrome. Right? Like, All of that begins to play. So the first step is really challenging that I call perfectionism and people-pleasing two sides of the same colonial coin. So that's the first thing. And then the next thing is, because we are not impervious to like our old colonial narratives, right? The next thing is really developing actually a capacity for grace for self. So that when undoubtedly somebody has something to say about something you said, right? Um, You're gonna have moments where you're like, oh my God, are they right? Wait, maybe I don't know what I'm doing or talking about. Um, People like to regularly tell me on the internet that I am stupid. And that one doesn't bother me, right? Because I'm like, <laughs> you're using that in a very colonial tar- colonial like sense and by all colonial definitions, like here are my degrees from a top five university, <laughs> right? So it's like, and we're coming from a different place. So like those don't bother me. But anytime, even if I know it's like a bot, because there's a lot of those online, right? Even if I know if it's a bot, mine that like will always get to me is if somebody – implies that there was some sort of emotional harm or like I didn't think through the potential emotional implication of something that I said, right? Mm. Those are the ones that will trip me up because I'm human, right? And no matter how much liberation work you do, your colonial foundation exists inside of you. Yeah right? And so like I know that's true for me. So what I mean by grace for self is that when that does come up and when I have those moments of like, oh my God, did you mess up? Did you do this, do that? I have a system in place for myself so that I don't doom spiral, right? I have a system in place for myself and part of that is community, right? So community care and people that I am in reciprocal relationship with, going to them and being like, I said this thing, this person, whether they're real or not, and whether I never respond to them, like whatever, right? But this person said this thing, basically like, do I need to check myself? Is there something I'm not seeing here? You know, what am I missing? And I like to like, you know, diversity of thought and identity. So I like I'll ask a, a couple of different people, and sometimes there will be you know feedback that's like, I mean, that was like a little more blunt than like. I would have said it, but that's how you talk, right? Like you're just really direct. And those times I'm like, nah, I can live with that. But for the most part, the affirmation is always, no, you're still in line with your ethos. Like either that's a them thing or that's probably a bot. And so they kind of, you know, they they bots to do what they do, but being able to, to have the grace of like, okay, maybe I did cause harm, or maybe I did hurt someone's feelings, or maybe I did say something and didn't realize, right? That that was like an old socialization. But here's the way that I navigate it. Like this is how this works for me, mm-hmm. right? So that's the second piece is just like grace for yourself of like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm imperfect in all things because I'm human and I'm messy and it's actually way better that way. And I have the tools to clean it up if necessary. Yeah. So like I can give myself grace in those things, right? Instead of the narratives around the people-pleasing and self-worth and all of that that used to come up. And then the third piece is honestly, like I always tell people, write yourself a love letter, like write yourself a letter gassing yourself up of just like, or maybe client testimonials, like whatever the thing is to remind you and to ground you when you do have really loud voices telling you that you're not good at something or, you know, whatever the case is. And I think those three things, again, none of them easy, <laughs> all require like work and guidance and all of that. But I think they're imperative. I think that that is how I built my resiliency to where now people are like, wow, you seem so unbothered by people saying all sorts of things to you on the internet. And I'm like, Yeah, because I know they're not true
0: hmm.
1: Right. And I also know even if they are cool, that just is an opportunity for me to grow and learn and be better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I appreciate your distinction between like there are some things that don't hurt and then there are some things that give pause.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And being able to identify those things, I think, is really helpful for people as well. You know, my cousin sent me a message telling me I was a self-hating Jew a couple days ago. And then I was like, he told me that a post I had put about Free Palestine was going to be tokenized t- to, like, represent all Jewish people by the Free Palestine movement. And I was basically just like, fortunately for me, I know who I am. So if people do that, it won't bother me, was how I right. responded to him. And also, nice to hear from you for the first time in five years. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. How are you? (laughs) Like happy last five birthdays. Right. (laughs) But you know, and that versus like the impact that something that I said had on a client or a program participant. Right. Very different things. But I know that for people when they start out, a big thing that's even keeping them from sharing in the first place is the perceived impact of an imaginary troll that may or may not ever exist.
1: Yeah. Specifically with social media and trolls, I will say this. I have gotten, and this is, I don't say this is like a badge of honor, but I give this contextually for, or I give this information contextually. I have gotten everything from incredibly wild and violent death threats to myself and my family, down to like doxing, my phone number was leaked somehow and have had to take lots of like precautionary measures. And that's not the average experience right because obviously the work that i do i'm very vocal about liberation and challenging all systems of dominance and that tends to really anger people that benefit from them and are unrelenting on upholding them to you know just the usual trolls that say wild things like whatever the thing that you said is going to be tokenized or like shame on you your grandparents would be wrong fuck you you don't know my grandparents like (laughs) In fact, you heard my TED talk if you knew my grandma. (laughs) Yes. Like, she's actually very proud of me. But anyways, you know, and so I say that to say it can feel scary in the moment. Sometimes literally scary, right? And other times just like nervous system activating. We're not going to deny that. Mm -hmm. And if you can always come back to your ethos, right? Like I said, my ethos is like people over profit, humanity first, do no harm, and clean it up if you do, even Even if it's unintentional, then you know that you have a liberated safety net always to fall back on, Mm -hmm. which makes the trolls and the haters and the naysayers in your real life or online really irrelevant. Like they're non-factors at that point. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, first of all, if you actually cared about me, if you knew me enough to care about me, then you would reach out. Right. Like even, even if he was concerned that you were a self-hating Jew and that you were going to be tokenized by the free Palestine movement, like there's a different way to approach that with curiosity and care. That would have led to a conversation where at the end he would have been like, oh, you're not a self-hating Jew. Like, you just believe that people shouldn't be genocided. Got it, got it, got it. And occupied. Cool. Understood. You know what I mean? So it's like short of somebody actually coming at me with curiosity and care, I'm like, you're so irrelevant. Like, And then I release them because my <laughs> the way that I look at it is like, You woke up and you chose misery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe not literally, but you woke up and, you know, there... Let me rewind for context. I hold the belief that for people who are unrelenting in their upholding of systems of oppression and dominance, that there is a deep level of disconnection between their embodied self, their intellectual self, and their spiritual self, which Mm -hmm. causes internal chaos and misery because... You're so fragmented that you don't know how to come home to yourself.
0: Ooh, you know what I was thinking when you were saying that is we were talking about how this work like isn't sexy because it requires discomfort and like digging into the ways in which we are also participating and upholding, etc. But like a liberated world is so much sexier yes. than like the outcome. And I also think this is also like what relational work is like, right? Like I'm polyamorous. It was not sexy. Like (laughs) figuring out how to do that was not sexy. It was like the most uncomfortable, difficult, cringe, like scary, not sexy thing ever. The embodied reality of being at home in my identity and experiencing this like new way of being. Yeah. The integrated version of it, much sexier than my dating life when I was <laughs> in my 20s. Yeah.
1: yeah. And also, I mean, I actually, I talk to my friends that do this work that are also poly all the time. And we're like, I actually think that polyamory in any, right, like however you choose to practice it gets a bad rap because when it is proper, properly and like done in the sacredness of the idea, it is a reflection of liberation, right? Mm-hmm. Because it requires community care, community consideration. It requires constant co-creation and co-consent. It requires constantly honoring everybody's humanity, outs- like including your own, right? Constant communication. I'm like, Mm, Yeah. That's why, you know, the – I call them the normies, the relationship normies are like, oh, God, no, like, this is terrible. This is the devil's work. I'm like, is it? Or are you just that afraid of liberation? Mm
0: -hmm. And of the uncomfortable confrontation of deprogramming,
1: Uh
0: like, what is the normative cultural structure like that is so threatening it's so so threatening and it has to be yeah because how else do we keep everybody going to work what you know like like the ceasefire the pa- the pause and ceasefire that happened over Thanksgiving yeah but like, interesting timing right <laughs> like this is so much bigger but it also is very much something that we can have an impact in so if we were to make it macro for people as we wrap up today like yeah. Yeah. How can people decolonize their businesses in 2024? Like, <laughs> give them an action item. I know. Okay. I ask, it's like a, a, a micro question.
1: I know. I'm like, mm, so I have a six month course intensive on <laughs> decolonizing business because that's how long it takes just to get the intro level going. <laughs> but I will say, kind of overarchingly, I think if anyone is starting to get curious about what it's like to lead a profitable, by your own definition, right, not necessarily dollar bills, profitable decolonial business, the first question that I encourage everybody to ask themselves is, if I were going to honor my humanity and the humanity of those that I am serving and infuse that into my practices, my marketing and my policies, where would I begin to change things? I love that prompt. That's a great prompt. Yeah. I feel first thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that's like if if I could like TLDR, like start there. No, that's a great homework assignment.
0: And I feel like you've answered this so much already today, but it's the question I ask every guest. Okay. What's your why? Why do you do what you do?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to shamelessly plug my TED talk that is not out online yet because I think that is a, granted it's 15 minutes, but it's a 15 minute synthesis of like the origin story I think of my why. I think I would be remiss not to explicitly say that I think it is ancestrally and divinely curated for me to be doing the work that I am in the way that I am doing it with the strength and resilience that I have to do it. And listen to the TED talk, that'll make a lot more sense. So that's the first piece, right? Like I have to honor my lineage and my ancestors that have for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years have done liberation work for their own liberation and the liberation of others for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then the second piece is that I, by way of my own life's journey, I realized very young, I think my first direct action that I took like on my own, I was 13. So I realized very young that the way that we were existing as a society and as a collective just did not, it just felt abysmal. Like, again, for a lot of reasons in the way that I grew up in the literature and text that I was reading, I, I understood that something was wrong and I understood that we all have power. We all have power. We all have magic. We all have resilience. Like we all have what it takes to create and craft and to reimagine our world into something that honors everybody and to where we don't have to witness injustice in any kind of way and and feel hopeless or helpless. Mm. So I figured that out pretty young. And then just being the inquisitive curious kid that I was, I was like, okay, but why? Why is it like this that led me to my academic pursuits? And then upon graduating, I was like, well, I don't want to necessarily go into academia. Like, I I want to be a part of the solution. And that has taken a lot of different forms. And now, see, I'm 38, I started at 13, whatever that math is, (laughs) years later, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Right
0: here in this Zoom room on an episode. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, if people want to find out more about you, stay in touch. Where would you send them? Of course, we'll have it in the show notes. But let them know.
1: Yeah. So for now, you can find me at According to on Instagram. I don't know that I will be there much longer because I continue to get flagged and I actually have no functionality on Instagram right now. I can't even watch videos. All I can do is DM. Yeah. Instagram is great for censorship, but go follow me there because in the, at the very least, by the time this comes out, there will be a plan for where else I exist, and it'll be it'll be clear there. But yeah, so I suggest to everybody, so my Instagram, According to Weez, and then if you just go to AccordingToWeez.com, there's a link for where I send everyone. One is my Substack, just because that's the one place I'm not censored, and then the other is my Patreon, and the reason for that is... Every single level has access to a community space on Telegram that is really, really active. And I think right now more than ever, that is where I'm pouring a lot of my heart and energy into because we desperately need community right now and we need connection more than ever, actually, and especially to sustain the movement that is required for the liberation of several different peoples.
0: Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your time with us today. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, and thank you, witches, for listening along. Go give Wees a follow, and we will see you next time on Business Witch.